It starts with an idea, then it's all about action. We're asking the hustlers, the action dreamers, the entrepreneurs, how to make it all possible. But this is all about keeping it real. Not everything is picture perfect, and we want to know about the struggle and the many sleepless nights that it takes to bring a business to life. They say we learn through our mistakes. Well, we're asking the experts so you don't have to. This is Commercial Free. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Commercial Free Podcast. Today we have a really special guest and her name is Martha Perez. She is a business coach and I'm just so happy to have her on today because we're going to dive into a whole bunch of different topics about leadership. So Martha, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. Hey, Stephen. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Martha Perez, and I am an executive and leadership development coach. And I run my own virtual coaching business right outside of Boston, Mass, and specialize in working with company owners that are looking to level up their team, their company culture, and ultimately themselves so that they can become the actual person who can create exactly the life that they want. And uh, prior to becoming a coach, I spent a little bit more more than about 11 years working in the applied behavior analysis field, all of which were dedicated to helping children that were diagnosed with autism and their families learn how to best manage some of the challenging behaviors and obstacles that are is commonly associated with that diagnosis. And I made the decision to leave that career in ABA and move into leadership development as a result of my own experiences with poor leadership and what that really does to your life. So now my mission is to help current leaders fill in the gaps with whatever knowledge and skills they need to help improve both their lives and the lives of those people that are in their charge. So that's me. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Like just what you do is game changing because you're helping people level up essentially, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. Across across all areas, like they're organization as well as just their personal life because these are people too uh, you know leaders aren't just leaders you know they're, they're they're definitely different types of people but ultimately they're human too and just helping them level up in their life both in and out of work is is really what I do yeah yeah, no, that's that's great. Just like the whole aspect of leveling up is difficult for people to understand sometimes. So like when you're starting to work with someone for the first time, do you have them focus on themselves internally first or is it more of like their business side? That's a really great question. And it really does depend on each person and where they're at in their personal development journey, where it really doesn't matter the age of the leader that I work with, you know, cause some people are, I, I know you and I both know a couple of people that are in their personal development, you know, journey very early on in their life, you know, and they're still when they're in their teens. And for me, it really didn't happen until my late twenties, you know, early thirties really that I started to just in my, my, my best way of phrasing it is wake up. <laughs> um, so really it depends on that starting point. My, the way that I work with leaders is, is very much so individualized to their needs. So I think it's easier for us to start off talking about work and the organization instead of like talking about the personal stuff. So oftentimes I notice that that's where we'll start, but depending on how quickly they open up and I start really listening to the problems that are showing up in the organization, then I start asking just more 
specific questions, it eventually it eventually just un- unfolds and it and it's we, we just we determine what it is that we need to start working on um, internally and personally as well as um, leadership wise. That's great. And like just customizing it to the specific person, I'm sure makes them feel more comfortable too, because like, especially if like, if they're not that comfortable about opening up about themselves and rather work on the business first. And then like you said, everything else kind of just opens up and falls into place. So for you, like, when did you realize or at what point did you realize that you wanted to become an entrepreneur? Honestly, when I realized that it would be easier for me to create and grow my own six or seven figure business than for me to get hired for a position where I got paid six or seven figures. That's, that's huge because that, the, the fact that you just pointed that out, people can spend six months, to almost a year just applying and going on interviews and jobs. And, you know, society basically tells people, oh yeah, you got to go work for someone else, but they never really teach you how to become your own boss and just start your own business. Like what's your thought on that? Yeah, well, you say you, exactly what you said is exactly what I did because I actually went back to school and I got my master's in management degree and because I, I've been interested in leadership for a while now and it and originally what I thought I was interested in learning more about was management because I thought that that would that that's what the problem was. But it was when I was studying for my management degree that I discovered the difference between that and leadership. Um, so that really is what sparked my, um, my, my passion for what it is now. Um, but then after I graduated, it was very hard to just, <laughs> just to get yes. on, on an interview. And I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I just, I hated it, Steven. I hated having, I felt like I was having to prove like, like why I would be a good a good fit for this position or for this job when I knew that I was and I just I really hated that feeling. Um, I hope that we could like change up what interviews feel like for people because a lot of the times they're so stressful that it it, it pushes people to stay put, you know, in jobs that they don't want to leave because they're so stressed out by just the idea of what the process is going to be like to like change up your your resume and customize your cover letter and send it out and then make sure that you email the hiring manager and try to form a connection and da, 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 all these things that I learned how to do too. Um, but then yeah, like I got to a point where I was so miserable at my current job, so frustrated that I couldn't find a new job. I started contemplating taking a pay cut in, in, because I'm just, I wanted to get out of my current job so bad. And you're like, screw it. I'll just take a pay cut. And then I'll, you know, just gain the experience to, I'll make a lateral move to gain the experience so that I can then make another move because that's what it is. And I just kept trying to go into, um, leadership development, um, learning and development, training and development, like those types of jobs that just all really, um, for me appeal to what I'm interested in. And, um, at one point I remember seeing their, um, like oftentimes in a job post, they were asking for adult learning theory, like familiarity with adult learning theory, which I wasn't. So I just went and went on, on a school's website that was teaching adult learning theory and just looked at the textbook that they were, yeah. <laughs> they were using. <laughs> and I just went and bought it and just taught myself adult learning theory 
to, to see if I could, I don't know, gain the confidence or gain whatever it was that I thought was missing um, so that I could land a job. And then finally, I just woke up and I just decided to sidestep all of that and say, I'm just going to teach people myself and just do this on my own and found a mentor, a mentoring program and a really good community of people to that were kind of on similar journeys. And that was incredibly helpful. And like I said, I, it became clear that it was going to be easier for me to just build my own six or seven figure business than to be hired in a six or seven figure job, you know, for multiple reasons, but also, you know, gender being a role in that, in that as well, which is pretty messed up uh, to say, but it is true. And I think is, I think that more women are, are becoming aware that this is an option for them and it's going to likely create the, the, the change that we need in the workforce and just, you know, payment, you know, equality when it comes to payment. Yeah, no, that change in, and the way we perceive like how we should make money is going to be huge going forward. Like, and I, and I can relate to what you said too, because I also did my master's in business management as well. And I can tell you the stuff that we learned in business breakthrough is completely different than what we learned in our master's. And I feel like, I feel like the stuff we learned in business breakthrough applies to life so much more than what I learned in two years in, in my master's program. You know, like not to say like the, the two year like master's degree was useless, but at the same time, it's like it was outdated information and no one really like operated that way anymore. You know, it was based on old principles. Yeah, I can. That totally resonates with me. I so I, I took management courses, but then I also took marketing courses because my concentration was in marketing for my master's. And same thing in our program. How much do we learn about online marketing or social media marketing? I should say so much like I didn't I learned so much about Mark, so much more about marketing in a program that's not affiliated with a university yeah, <laughs> than exactly. I did in my master's program, which again, I feel you no disrespect to, yeah. to them. And I value academia very, very highly, but it just reinforces that idea that you can learn so many different, that, that so many different ways and that, that value can be given in the form of education from a lot of different people. Exactly. Cause think about it this way. Like, like if we, if we did business breakthrough, like say when we were like 18 or 19 coming out of high school, imagine doing that for 10 weeks and then having the success that and building that across four years instead of going to school. Like how different would your life be if you had had, if both of us have done it that way, you know, it's crazy to think about it in retrospect, you know, but I guess everything is kind of easy to think about in retrospect. Exactly. Like how, how much different would your life be? Yeah. But even the, just the mindset work, imagine having started your mindset, personal development journey at like 18, 19 years old, where at least for me, I was so susceptible to like peer pressure and Mm -hmm. trends and so much stuff. Um, at that, at that age, granted at that age, I didn't think I was, I thought I was independent and an independent thinker, but just the stuff that I, I know now definitely was not on my radar at 18 years old. Yeah, no, it's, I don't think it was on any of our radars, you know? 
Yeah, seriously. So, so what do you, so what is the inspiration for you to go out and just help CEOs become high performing leaders? Like, you know, they're already at, at super high levels. Like how, what was the inspiration for that? So I think as coaches, we each have our own idea as to how, how are we going to create maximum impact, right? So how do we impact the lives of as many people as possible? And for me, my, my drive to, to, to really help these people in, in leadership position and a leadership position comes from number one, my own personal suffering of feeling like leadership truly failed me in my, my time in the, you know, in just, just working in the, in, in the field. Um, but then also when it comes to my own mission to help really create the maximum impact, I think about, well, if those are the people, if, if people in this position cause me so much pain, and I know that in my, in my industry, or at least in the ABA industry, it's not a uncommon conversation that's happening. It's actually a very common conversation that people are talking about really poor leadership and business practices that it's leading to burnout in the, in the analysts and the, and just the people that are trying to help these families and these autistic kids just, just grow and, and achieve new things like we're all there doing like good work but we're not being treated very well so it's a combination of of my personal just origin story and and an interaction with just leaders that weren't I don't know just in the place to I think be in a leadership position um you know without disrespect to anybody because they're trying you know they, they really are and um and yeah, I, I think that instead of working with the people that are directly impacted, like, you know, helping them not be burnt out or manage their burnout, you know, I, I see the value in that. But I, in my opinion, want to just go towards the person that is potentially the, the catalyst to that burnout and to the pain that they're going through. Because if I can help that one person how many people are impacted by that one person, you know, by their decisions, even their families, even their friends. So someone that's in a leadership position, position isn't just in a leadership position in the organization. They tend to just go into that role naturally in their friend group, in their families. They just, the people tend to lean on them because um, it's a certain energy that they give off. So if I can help them level up across all areas in their life, like, what's the impact there? You're impacting more than just that one life. You're impacting those analysts who feel burnt out because that leader is pushing them too hard, you know, or just not listening to them in the, in the correct way. Like nothing against those leaders, like you said, but like, you know, like this industries are always changing super quickly. So like the leaders need to be able to adapt and just learn how to make the lives of their employees. And I guess, like you said, their family and friends just so much better. So like, and I guess that plays into time management. We were actually talking about time management before about like how we're able to do so many different things. So like, what's some, one of the tips that you have for people who want to like manage their time better? For someone who wants to manage their time better? Well, there's a, there's a book. Um, actually I have it pretty, pretty close, close to me. It's called the he seven habits of highly effective people. Have mm -hmm. you ever heard of this one? Oh no, I have not. Stephen Covey, I think his name is, but there's actually a really great chapter in here, um, about time management and it's something that it, 
that a lot of people I think struggle with and even myself struggled with because I've been in in somewhat of a leadership position in the past, of course, you know, I've had teams to myself um, that I've had to manage and, and lead. And I was never taught how to properly delegate. Ah, okay. Right. That's a huge one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once you get people under you or you have assistants or you just have multiple team members um, working on something, like how do you properly decide what to delegate and what to keep on your plate? You know, determine what your skills are and your strengths and your weaknesses and, and just figure out what needs to what needs to stay on your plate, what needs to maybe move to somebody else. Um, but anyways, there's this really great chapter in that book that talks about the difference between um, a stewardship system of delegation and a gopher system of delegation. Um, the gopher style is what we often get trapped under is that whole, like you, you basically have other people there, but you still need to be there in order to tell them to go, to give them the go ahead. And he has a great example in the book about almost like having like you're not the photographer anymore and instead you have someone that hat is holding the camera but you're just standing right behind them saying take it take it every single time to you know to take the picture and what ends up happening is that you create a bottleneck for yourself in the system in the business like people always need to get the go-ahead from you and you create that feeling in your employees too or your partners or your um you know team members that they have to constantly come to you for the go-ahead versus a stewardship system of delegation really encourages there's like you know five different steps to to setting up that type of system first one being is you know focusing on exactly what you want them to do and being very clear in communicating what it is like the out the outcome or the end results um that you want from them and not focus on the how Right. So don't tell them how to do it. They're, you know, they're qualified to do this. Like trust them. It really encourages them to, it's almost like coaching. You know, encourage yeah, it, it almost, it really is almost, I feel like everything we do can almost be like applied to coaching and, you know, and like what you're talking about applies to growing your own personal business too, as you want to hire people, which is great. Yeah. Well, and that's what that's, that comes back to time management. You're going to have more time, the quicker and, and better you become at, at outsourcing or delegating the things that just aren't for you. Yeah. Like for me, I think one of the first things when I hire a virtual assistant, I'm going to hand off is podcast editing. Like I love doing this, but the back end of it is like when you're editing and everything, I, I mastered it and I can do it really well. I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. That's the thing. You just realize it. You just don't have to do these little tedious tasks. And do you have a VA yet? Not yet. No, not yet. I just hired my first one. Really? Yeah, I made a pretty big investment in it too. Um, it's a uh, it's a company that only caters to to female entrepreneurs, and and yeah, I don't I. It's funny. It was just an ad that popped up on my Instagram, yeah. and I'm just like, already it was already on the mind. I had I was talking to Simon um, about about just yeah, like time management and all that stuff at, at one point, um, and it's just been on the mind. The hiring a VA and. The this company just popped up on my Instagram. I just booked a 
a discovery call. Great, great person on the call. I basically yeah. sold myself. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's great. I was like, listen, Ryan, this is what I need. This is where I'm at. This is what I need. Can you do that for me? What's the price? Let's just let's just get this done. And, um, and anyways, he like went over all the stuff that they can do and they actually all, it's just all the technical, it's all the technical marketing online stuff that none of us want to do anymore. They take that off your plate. And the best thing is that they actually train the VA for you for the first month. Like they collect a bunch of information from you. It's like pretty intense. Oh wow. Yeah. That makes it so much easier for you. One less thing you need to do. Yes, exactly. So, and, but then also they help you gain clarity as to exactly what you want them to do. So you have someone basically coaching you, you meet with them like once a week, like someone with the comp, like from the company, you meet with them once a week and, um, they, they just get a bunch of information from you as to exactly what you want your business to look like. And like the order, like what, what's on your schedule and they help you like, organize what it is that you want to outsource in order of priority. And then they train the VA for like a solid month uh, and they have them take like 20 something tests in order to make sure that they know your business and your company before you even meet them. So once again, outsource the training, (laughs) just figure it out, you know? Yeah. That, you know, like what you're talking about now is absolutely amazing because one of my biggest hurdles, like going forward, I guess, was hiring a VA, was doing all the training. So I guess now that I know that, like, but the, the, the company you work with, the only cater swim, but I'm sure there's other companies out there that do the same thing where they train the VAs for you, like, and they just collect a whole bunch of information. Yep, absolutely. I'm sure there is, you know, I, when I, have you, have you ever heard of Blue Ocean? A Blue Ocean no. strategy? You haven't mm-hmm. heard of that yet? What is that? It's, um, it's actually a business strategy. You have the book next to me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a business strategy where you figure out essentially something, something that other people just aren't doing yet. You know, and maybe it's a com- combination of two really unique ideas like Cirque du Soleil, for example, like nobody else is doing what Cirque du Soleil is doing that's like the main example that they always use for blue oceans um but this company when i was when i encountered them and i was and i heard what it is that they do because also this va is 40 hours a week this isn't a part-time um, really so they're dedicated to you only to you wow yeah, yeah. you that's have a, great. a full-time on um, va so that way like everything gets done everything you need to get done is gonna get done so like no more excuses type of thing <laughs> But but I'm sure um, like when they were thinking about this idea, I don't know. It just it gave me blue ocean vibes. But anyways, that's great. And, you know, it's funny. We like our conversation for like the past couple minutes revolved around books. And the next question actually plays right into that. So like what are three books you can recommend on leadership and what was like something valuable you took away from like each of those books? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love reading. I don't know if you can yeah. tell, but <laughs> no, I, I could tell you, yeah, I actually just ordered a new Kindle. So that's actually not coming until the end of March, but I'm reading a book right now called how I built this by Guy Raz. And that's really good so far. What is it called? How I built this? Yeah. How I built this. Yeah. Okay. What's, what, what is it about? 
So basically, it's about entrepreneurs who go through a bunch of struggles and um, ultimately end up creating these multi-million dollar, and in, in some cases, like billion dollar business unicorns. And Guy Raz, who is like, who has his podcast too, he interviews these business owners and he like, asks them like, what was like the toughest part and successes along the way and like failures. And like the book is just filled with the, like these nuggets on like how to overcome certain situations. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely put it on my list to yeah. to pick up because um, I love, I just love learning. I love, I just love reading people's stories too and like what they did. And, and I forget whose quote it is and maybe a Tony Robbins quote. I'm not sure, but it's like that history, history or success leaves clues, right? That, yeah, no, it definitely does. Especially it, in our case too. Yeah. Right. Like people have already built you know, a million dollar coaching business. People have already built like, you know, like Steve Jobs, <laughs> you yes, know, exactly. already has exist and has already created something amazing. And they've written books about him, um, you know, and Apple and just the brand and everything. So if you want to create some, when you get clear on what it is that you want to create, and then you start getting clear on like, what's the inspiration for that? It's, it's so, it just makes, it's, it's common sense to me to like learn about someone who's already done something that you want to do or is doing something similar to like what you're wanting, what you want to do. I don't know. It's just follow that, follow your interest, intuition. you know, yeah, your interest, intuition, intuition yeah. yeah, whatever you're attracted to in terms of content and material. Like for me, leadership is, is like a really big, um, topic that, that I'm just constantly, I don't know. It fires me up to listen to people talk about leadership. And it also really interests me to learn about influence. That's that I think is like a really common theme in my, in just what my interests are, even being a behavior analyst, I was really interested in what influences behavior and how you can change behavior. And with leadership, a lot of it has to do with having influence and being able to influence the people that are following you, you know, and, and creating the the vision that you have for the future. Um, and then it, that, you know, leads me into specific people that have influence, you know, like specific leaders, like what, like, what is it about this particular person that gives them so much influence? And then, you know, kind of, kind of snowballs from there, you know, communication and like, what, how do you, how do you establish influence, you know, with communication and, and, nego- and even in negotiation, um, but for books on lead, like for leadership, I would say that not necessarily has to be on like the topic of leadership, but I think would just benefit someone in a leadership position. Like my top three would be like, my first one is Carol Dweck's mindset. Have you, okay. have you read that one or heard about it? No, I have not. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to make sure you get that one <laughs> because no, it's, I'm definitely will. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's about the growth and the fixed mindset. Um, you know, she's the, the Stanford professor that coined that ter- those two terms and, um, did the research behind it and, she has several TED Talks, but the book is just fantastic. And it really helps break down the differences between a growth and a fixed mindset and what they look like, you know, from in a as a coach or in a relationship or in, you know, parenting um, in, in everything. And I think so many of us can relate to a lot of the examples that she uses in there, um, including in leadership and business. Um, 
that, you know, having a, having a fixed mindset oftentimes has to do with like, you know, believe, like thinking that, thinking that you, you as you are now, like that's, that's, that's it. You know, like you can't get any better, you know, you either have it or you don't. I know so many people that have that mindset too. And, and, and it's like unfortunate because sometimes you like, you try to talk to them and like, Oh yeah, you can do this. And this like, and they're like, no, I can only do what I'm doing now and then can't expand on it. Yeah, exactly. Like they think that their time has passed or, you know, they're just not good at it. They're not good enough. Um, you know, if they try also, so this is, this is how it came up for me. Like the, the point that resonated most with me in, from the book is, um, the example of not trying your hardest. So that way, if you fail, you don't feel as bad because you can blame it on. You didn't really try. So you like self-sabotage yourself in protection of basically your ego yeah your ego and almost essentially just failing too because people don't people are so afraid of failure so like you said they those they rather self self-sabotage themselves instead of being able to blame it on someone else yeah yeah well also like the but the fixed mindset the problem is that you internalize a lot of those failures you you blame you 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 don't want to fail because then it's a representation of yourself of your worth of your abilities you know you as 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 a whole as a person like you're less than it's just so it's very negative and um the growth mindset though on the contrary it's like you can be better always it's 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 really holding on to that that idea and that it's a foundation it's a foundational mindset really that you can always be better that if you're nervous about i don't know a presentation that you're doing or a webinar your first podcast episode if you're nervous oh that was that was scary Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first of anything is scary. But, Mm -hmm. you know, remembering that number 100 or even number 10 is going to be better. But number one just has to come first. Number one through nine needs to come first because we know that we're going to get better by 10 or whatever it is. Um, It's just a foundational mindset. And I think that it's important as for leaders to develop that that mindset, but then also to just become very familiar with it because it shows up in your employees. You know, it shows up. We're all in individuals. So, you know, being mindful of maybe where their employees might be exhibiting a fixed mindset. So that way they can help them out. Um, because then that means that they're potentially not going after, you know, bigger opportunities or doing more, or I don't know, just they're, they're not, they're not, they're not achieving like full potential when you're in a, when they're in a fixed mindset. So it's very, very beneficial. But then also for me, something that a book that holds uh, a, a really special place, you know, just in my life is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Have you ever read that one? Ooh, I've heard of it, but these are all amazing books that I'm, I'm going to have to put on my own list. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. So so Carol Dweck's mindset is but now it's the number one book that I recommend to everybody. But for a while, it was Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And I don't know, maybe I'm just biased because of the impact that it had on me. <laughs> but I think it's a fantastic book. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you the story as to how I first came across Simon. Yes. And yes. This work. Go for it. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I, I pursued my degree in management and I did that 
because I thought that what I was missing was management skills and knowledge, right, in the management industry. But what I was really lacking was leadership. What I was really missing was leadership. And that's what that's that goes to show you that a lot of people do not know the difference between management and leadership. Right. Because I didn't even know that. And I was in my late 20s when I went back to, to school for my master's. And I it was in my organizational behavior management class that I, I had an assignment, which was to watch a video, which happened to be Simon's famous, you know, golden circle TED talk, um, which is, I don't know how many years old it is at this point, but it was a phenomenal talk. Of course it's Simon Sinek. So he's like, that's his gift is communication and being able to just make people feel stuff. And I remember Stephen just being so like taken back by his energy and just what he was saying. And I just like felt so aligned. Like finally somebody was saying the things that I was thinking, but he just found the the most perfect combination of words to to just label it and to talk about why, like why it's important to you. Like companies need to start with why. Why is it that you're doing the things that you're doing? Because we each have our own purpose. We each have the reasons why we wake up every morning and and pour in the energy into something. So, you know, when you when you don't when you're not aligned, when you're not when when you're not aligned with your purpose, when the work that you're doing isn't aligned with like your like your internal purpose, it it, it starts to feel like you're swimming against a current. It does. And like couldn't agree more with what you're saying and it just resonated with me so much because when something's not in line with you, it's almost like you have to force yourself to do it. And like I think that's a key indicator like that connects with what you said is like if you're having to force yourself to do something, it's most likely not for you and you should try a different route and see how that goes and works out better. Totally, totally. But something that a lot of organizations fail to do or leaders fail to recognize um, and then therefore apply is that they forget their why is that they get so caught up in the what and in the how. And in like in my previous career, it was providing behavior therapy to children with autism. And it was just like billable hours and, you know, day after day, you know, signature after signature, you know, program after program. It was very, it became like monotonous because it's just like the same thing every single day. And don't get me wrong. Like it was, I mean, I spent 11 years doing it. So I was able to remember my why. Why, um, which were the kids and the families, and and every single time the kid would make progress, it was phenomenal, and it would like fill me up a little bit more. But after a while, like when you're burnt out, it it's hard to become motivated, and I think that's what often is happening in a lot of organizations and what a lot of employees are just they're calling for a change because they're just so burnt out. And one of the ways to really in my opinion, help counteract that burnout. It's one of many things that are going to be needed, but it's that you have to focus on the why, like why, like, like let's remember and reflect on why is it that we do what we do here? You know? Exactly. Yeah, no, it's so it's, it's almost like, you know, if you don't, like you said, if you don't know what the why is, you can't continue to go forward. So like, how does a leader inspire others while keeping themselves inspired about the organization's mission and why it is that what they do in the first place? So I would say, 
that the very first step is to actually get clear on why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Like what is, what is the purpose of this organization? You know, what is it? What is the purpose behind all the work that we're doing? Like, what is the greater good that we're actually going to create for our community and for the employees and for everything that everyone that that comes into contact with our our organization here? Because we're 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 a cause. I think that that's another thing is just shifting that mindset of like, we're a business. No, but you're a cause. Like you are here to cause some sort of change, positive change in the, in the world or in the community, whatever size you want. So I think getting clear on that and, and really getting clear on why is that important and like digging deep, you know, why is that important? Like, for example, I have one um, client that I work with who's just phenomenal and she has such a strong vision for the change that she wants to create. And, and she has a um, a like a, a, a career development company. Right. Where she's helping people, um, including like as as early as as high school graduates really start to understand, like just career development and really figure out like a career path that's right for them. And she gives them mentorship and she just has she wants to give them the thing that a lot of people didn't give us or her, you know, like be be this be the leader that you wish you had type of type of thing. It's like a Simon Sinek quote, which which by the way it's a great quote. I love yeah. it so much. Oh my God. It's like super embarrassing. Uh, I put that on the back of my first business card when I, when I left, cause I, it, it really did hit, hit me so much. That talk hit me so much, um, that I put a quote of his on the back of my first business card, which was so ugly by the way. <laughs> do you but, still have that business card? Oh, I do. I do. It's like, oh, per, it's yeah. like purple, but like purple gray looks like honestly the color of like gargoyle vomit. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. But, but hey, we off to start somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think that very first step to to keeping yourself inspired as well as your team inspired is to just create those intentional moments in your in your day, in your practice, your weekly practice, whatever it is, your your interactions with your employees um, and team members to just recognize like what, why is it that we're doing the things that we're doing and connect and connecting it back to that original clear why your mission and your vision, um, for, for the future. Yeah. And like, like you said, I love how you mentioned future. Cause like once you figure out why you're doing it, it makes it so much easier to plan and just create even more abundance going forward. So like for both of us, we are super clear on how we want to be able to help people and change their lives, you know, and then that just helps everything else fall into place. So like on the flip side of this, so so like what were some of the challenges and successes you experienced like during your own personal growth journey as you became the leader you you are today? Some challenges. Well, yeah, the, the successes came from overcoming the challenges for sure. So I think that the challenges were, yeah, like imposter syndrome. Ooh, that's a big one. Number one. That's yeah. a big one. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, who's going to listen to me? Like, what? That's how I felt about my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't post the first episode for a solid two months because I'm like, who the hell is going to want to listen to me talk? Really? Yeah, it was that imposter syndrome that crept up and I didn't even know it, it was called imposter syndrome until I joined our business program. 
No way. So you were just like, I, I you were just doubting yourself, like, for, yeah. like putting it up just for, oh yeah, yeah because you, you started the podcast before you joined that program. Yeah, right? exactly. Oh yep. yeah. See, I could, I, I would told, I could totally relate to that because I probably would do the same thing too. Yeah. I mean, maybe now I would execute a little bit faster, you know, but I, maybe that's what it is that I know now that we're talking about it, I'm like kind of reflecting on it where before it would take me a lot longer my imposter syndrome would like cause me to delay things yes you know like executing <laughs> and pulling the trigger on on just decisions or things or whatever versus now like i said that that va <laughs> company i just saw i just saw it on instagram booked the and call you took action had the call just yeah. told i'm like listen this is what i need i basically sold myself i'm just like let me process my own credit card like i just we need to get this done <laughs> where it's a lot yeah. easier to make decisions because you get more you become more confident as you start making decisions and they start working out or maybe they don't work out but you still figured it out right um so i think that the more you do that the more action you take and the more challenges you overcome the more like proof you create for yourself to use against your imposter syndrome to you know to like prove to it like that you you don't have to be the best but you're not you're not the worst no, right? You're right you're in route you're in route to to becoming your best so and that's why again that book is really really a great a great foundational like just tool um to remind yourself of like growth and and your your ability to just continue to grow and be better um, but yeah, I think that those are like the, the main, that was like my main challenge getting started was my own imposter syndrome of like, who's going to listen to me and, and like, why would they listen to me? And then of course you fight with yourself because then on you other do. days, you right, do. you're like, you I'm create, awesome. <laughs> you create those like little arguments in your head that like, oh yeah, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And then there's like a flip side level, like, oh no, you're not. And it's just it, it, sometimes if you don't get that in control. It's never ending. Right. <laughs> It really is. It really is. Like sometimes you're like arguing with yourself where it's yes. like, thank God we live alone. Because oh my God. Yeah. It's like, it's for people who, who are like uh, listening to this, it's almost like creating arguments with yourself in the shower. It's, All it's, the time. it's equivalent to that. <laughs> right. All the time, literally, but like out loud too. Yes. <laughs> For oh, that's sure. so funny. That's exactly what it's like. Just all day, all oh, day, yeah. every day. Yep. And that's what it's like being a business owner. And like, you know, I funny, I saw, do you, do you watch The Office? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. So Michael Scott, he said this one, there was this one scene on a, and I saw it on a business, business like mentor account. And he was, he was like, he said something along the lines of like, you know, when I first started, I knew how to do everything or thought I knew how to do everything. But he's like, on the flip side of that, he's like, I didn't know how to do shit. Yes. <laughs> Essentially, that's that that was basically what it was, you know, but in the sense of the real things, I didn't I had no clue what to do. So, oh, exactly. Oh, yes, that's, I do remember that. And that's so true. Where like you really have to put your money where your mouth is when you once you become a business owner, and once you start like executing, um, you know, even with like leadership stuff, like I think about it where, you know, like the things that you praise or. Yeah, the things that you praise and you say, okay, like you have to make sure that you prioritize your team, you know, make sure you're always prioritizing your team, make sure you're always staying connected to mission, vision, all that stuff. And I 100% wholeheartedly believe in that. But, you know, once you're in a position where you have now 500 people, you know, that are relying on you to bring in a certain amount of money into the and make decisions that, you know, bring in a certain amount of money, like... 
I, I don't know. I just think that it's like put your money where your mouth is, is, is eventually going to be like something that all, all people that take those, take those leaps. Um, I don't know, have to, have to think about, but I'm rambling now. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you are speaking gold right now because it's something that we all need to be more conscious of. So like, where would you tell someone to start who is like looking to, to develop their like leadership skills? And we touched upon it all throughout the, the podcast as well. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, a good place to start, if I'm going to, if, if I'm going to be honest, is, is to just first, I think everyone needs to define what do you think makes a good leader? Like what's your definition of a good leader? Because we each have our own definition of what we feel is good or whatever. And I think based off of our own experiences of, of who we've had in our own life to model proper leadership. Um, and on the other side, you know, the, the poor examples of leadership that often cause us a lot of pain or stress at work or, you know, people that hate their boss, all that, like just sit down and really take like 10 minutes to just jot down like your definition of a leader and list out everything you possibly can, the traits, the characteristics, like personality, like just everything. How do they dress? Like just get as clear as possible because the more details you have, it's indicative that you have more clarity and clarity often equates to confidence in it, right? So once you go ahead and you define what you think a good leader is, the next is to take an inventory of yourself and be a really, you know, an honest critic of yourself of like, which of these skills do you currently have and which of them do you still need to develop? Right. And then the next step, it would be to, to just take an inventory of yourself and look at all of the everything that you listed on there and just be honest with yourself. Which of these traits or things that you listed, you know, do you currently possess? Right. And then which of these do you still need to develop? And then that's where you start. Then you reprioritize. You pick the top three things that you think are most important. For me right now, for example, the, the number one thing that I'm, I'm choosing to develop this year um, amongst many things. But number one is my communication, you know, public speaking skills, communication, negotiation, just anything that has to do with, with communication. That's what I'm choosing to focus on, because for me, a good leader needs to be able to communicate just proficiently. Simon Sinek level <laughs> communication. You know. Yes. Yes. Community. You. You would be surprised. Actually, no. I don't think any of us are surprised. Like how bad people are communicating with each other. Right. It's just. It's just awful. When whether it's in business relationships with people or just friends and friend groups. You know, like just not keeping yourself accountable to what you say. So I. I feel like if everyone had the knowledge we had about communication, I feel like the world would be so much easier to navigate. Dude, totally. And you know what I think, because I, again, just through doing a lot of like reading, is that I think it's because the reason why we're so, so bad at communicating is because we often don't have a lot of control over our our emotions, right? And most often we are the worst at communicating when we're emotional, right? When like you're triggered, you know, either you're stressed out at work because your boss made you do this and it made you feel like this, or you're really frustrated in a relationship because they did this and it's making you feel like this. It's oftentimes because like we're emotional because the part of the brain that controls emotion does not control communication and language. So I think that that's why it's so hard to often just under like right now, just find the yes. words. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. You know how it feels, but you can't think of the words to put it into 
to context. Exactly. exactly. So exactly. So I think a lot of the time the the work is to be done, of course, in learning the communication skills and styles. And like I joined a Toastmasters group to get better at pacing and get better. How at- is that? It's so much fun. <laughs> I've always wanted to join one too. I, I, I heard about Toastmasters like my sophomore year of college and I've always wanted to do it. So would you, so for, can you explain what Toastmasters is for people who are listening right now? Yeah, absolutely. So likewise, I really had only heard about it occasionally, um, you know, maybe throughout college. And then I just never, I mean, I hated public speaking. So why in the world would I do it <laughs> before? That was again, my, like my fixed mindset was like, why would you do something that, you, that you're terrible at? Now I'm like, hey, you need to do this to get better at the thing that you think you're bad at. <laughs> right? It's crazy how how mm-hmm. how our mindset shifts over time to like realize like, oh, we should have done Dude, this a lot earlier. It really, <laughs> it really does. But to- it really does. But Toastmasters, essentially, like every single town has one. And it's like a group of people that meet every, you know, other week or every week. Everyone's every group is kind of different. Um, but they essentially teach you how to speak. <laughs> publicly they teach you how to how to you know give speeches and they teach you just how to how to tell stories as well and pace yourself and eliminate filler words and yeah just also imp- improve and increase your vocabulary because they have like a word of the day where you have to try and, and use it <laughs> and yeah. um everyone has a different job they literally time you on your speeches or on your topics that you're discussing so that you become more mindful of how long you've been talking there's someone that counts the ums and the ahs and all those filler words and i hate that person because <laughs> they're I like hate- martha you had like 174 ums <laughs> That's something I had to figure out when I first started podcasting because it used to take me two days to edit a podcast because I the amount of ums and o's I used to say was ridiculous. Now I'm more conscious of saying ums and o's and I'll just sit silent until I know what I want to say and then start speaking. So I definitely want to do Toastmasters because I feel like that would just help me overall with podcasting and just coaching in general too. Oh, absolutely. So I record my coaching calls and then I listen to them back. Um, oh, I totally lost you on video, by the way. Can you still oh, you see did? me? Yeah, yeah, I can still see you. Yeah, oh, I can still okay. hear you too. Oh, you can still hear me? Okay, well, I hope, yeah. I hope that the internet doesn't um, give you any issues or like make it choppy or anything like that. Um, no, it's, no, that's the beauty of what the, the software that we're using right now, Riverside. It records everything to your computer first and then uploads it into the cloud later on full quality. So we don't have to worry about it. So if it's a little fuzzy right now, it's going to be crystal clear later on. That's awesome. Okay, good. I was just getting worried about that. Um, But what was I saying? Um, What did you just what did you just say last? We were talking about we were talking about ums and o's and yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, and then. Yeah. And then what I said was that I, I, so I actually, oh, now you're back. Now you're back. I'm back. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So I actually record my coaching calls and I purposely like listen to them. Um, of course to, to, for my clients, you know, I want to make sure that I just have time to reflect and just, it's different. Information lands differently when you listen to it afterwards and you're listening to it from like an overhead perspective. Um, so like new ideas or just new insights will come up. So I do that. I do it for that reason, but then also, I do it to just 
see where could I have asked a better question? Where could I have not used, you know, those words? And like yesterday I was literally listening to a call and like counting how many questions versus how many statements I'm making on the call because I want to track that and see if, if I can start my ratio will start to increase more questions versus statements. And I really want to eventually get on a call, a coaching call and just do like 100% questions. Yeah. Straight up questions, right? I think I think that's the dream, and I think that's something we both learned in business breakthrough from Rob, was our who is our mentor to Rob Dial. And one of the things is like the best coaches in the world will only ask you questions. And the more I'm like, and I'll be honest, like when I first heard that, I'm like, how the hell are you gonna help someone if you're just asking them questions? And the more I did it, I'm like, and the more I got clients, I'm like, huh, that does make sense because if you give them the answer it's less likely they'll take action on instead of you if you ask them the question and then they figure it out for themselves, then they'll be more inclined to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And very similar to that stewardship, go for like a system of delegation, like what we were talking about. If you are constantly giving answers, people will constantly be coming to you asking you the questions. But when you switch that around and you stop giving the answers and you use questions to really an empowerment, you know, of the person to, to really dig deep and find their answer. I, I think that that's where you create an independent thinker that's going to contribute so much more than someone that becomes dependent on you for answers. Yes, 100%. And that can go for relationships as well when it comes to codependency because that's mm. that's that's also something really? outside of business, you know? Think, uh, say more. How so? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because like, think about this. So like, if you... If you, instead of like in your relationship and you ask someone a question, it's kind of the same thing. Like you're creating that dependent dependency almost like you're making them in well, independent actually rather. Yeah. Oh, okay. So like if you're in a relationship with someone, instead of like asking, um, you know, if someone asks you like, oh, where's the vacuum cleaner? And instead of you telling them, be like, uh, where did you last remember being? And then you create that thinking Ooh, process. You're starting to fight there. <laughs> Yeah. Depending on the tone, what where do you think it is? <laughs> oh, you know, even the see that's see. Sometimes you don't even think about the tone. <laughs> it's like weird. It's, it's well, not it wasn't it wasn't even like meant to be sarcastic. It was more of just like you said to like get the person thinking mm-hmm. and like and and get them to be self reliable instead of next time if they wanted just to ask you those questions and be like, oh wait, let me think about where it last was or who used it. You know, it's just it's like little stuff like that. You know. Mm. Yeah, you know, and I now that you're like saying that what I'm thinking what comes to mind is very similar to like what happens with parents of of older children, but then also in relationships um, when you first move in together is that, you know, at at some point one person feels like they're doing all the chores and all the work and all the cleaning because, you know, one person has higher expectations for cleanliness than the other. And because the dishes just magically get done, one person doesn't really see a problem, but the other one's like becoming resentful that they're doing all the work. Um, But it's like, but why are you, why are you cleaning? the dish you know I feel like maybe cleaning the dish is and or cleaning up after somebody else it's almost like the equivalent of giving them the answer where it's like you can't do it for them you have to let them do it themselves in order for them to really gain the skills that you're looking for the long-term skills um, and success yeah I get that 
Yeah, exactly. After that, like that whole like, little two minute rant, I hope someone can get something out of that <laughs> about, about being able to just ask somebody the question instead of giving them the answer. <laughs> Yeah, see, yeah, we could we could totally go off on just coaching stuff for so long. I can I know that. Oh, 100% we could. So like, how do you like, well, actually, let me ask you this. How does a leader inspire? Well, no, actually, I can cut this out. I'm realizing we already touched upon a couple of those questions. <laughs> yeah. So like, what are the best ways uh, that a leader can support other leaders? And like, whether it's in the same organization or a different organization, if that makes sense. Sure. So what are the best ways that leaders can support other leaders is by creating them. Yeah, honestly, I think a leader is a creator of other leaders. A, A true leader, in my opinion, is not one that is threatened by other leaders, you know, is someone who's not threatened by having other people in their organization who can do the job better than them. Right. Because yeah. some some leaders will become they threatened. Will feel threatened. By, yes. Yeah, they'll be You're threatened right. by having people that can literally do their job better than them. You know, and that's the thing, like a, a real leader who ha- is able to put their ego aside and actually see that the whole that's the whole purpose is to create people who can replace you, who can become better than you. So that way you can go live your four hour work week in, you know, Miami. And still make the same amount or even more. You know? Make way it's, more. It's way you make more. Way, way more. Go start another company. Go do other things. You know, like you don't have to hold on to being the best marketer and the best like networker and the best accounts payable. Like you don't have to be the best in every single department of your organization. You know, because I think a lot of us we start we start as like a one person team and then you you know you, you eventually start adding. Yeah, you start adding yeah. people over time, but. But that's why a lot of people have a hard time letting go is because like they created it. They created it from the beginning. So then they try to teach people how they would how they themselves would do it instead of letting the person like create the how by and then just let just tell them what it is that you want. If you hire the right people who have just click and align with your mission and your vision and what it is that you the vibe, you know, of your of your company culture, like that's what that's why a lot of the times these interview processes take forever is because companies are really trying to filter out the people that just aren't going to be a good fit for their culture which I get that it's great. Um, you know, but, but a, I think a real leader, a real good leader d- supports the leaders that they're building within their organization. Um, and then even in different organizations, it's, it's, again, I think it's an ego thing where a, a good leader is a confident one that isn't going to like try to play like nasty with the comp with the competition, you know, like maybe, right. you, maybe you have a rival. I know that Simon talks about that a lot in, in his Rival. book, um, yeah. the, the Infinite Game. He talks about uh, having like a worthy rival instead of just competition because it kind of keeps you going. But honestly, in at least the industry that I was working in for so long in, in ABA, there... I don't know. There really isn't. I don't think that we should see it as competition. I think that we're just all allies. We're all working towards the same thing. We're all trying to help these kids and these families like get better services and and just get results and live better lives. We're all allies here. And I think that that's just a way to take get the pressure off of you, you know, and then 
also at the same time, I don't know, create just a better, it's a better sense. You know, it's all mindset. It's all, it is. It all comes back to mindset. Your mindset affects your energy, which is totally received by the people around you. And the same thing, the mindset I think is also contagious when you're the leader, everyone's looking to you for inspiration and they're looking to you for direction. So like if you're super duper frantic and stressed out, like the people around you in your organization think that that's what it's supposed to be like here. They think that that's what they're supposed to be like because that's what they're like. But if they're cool, calm and collected and focused on connection and asking questions and getting to know them and slowing things down sometimes, you know, to really be present and intentional, all that stuff, it gets, it gets, it's modeled, you know, and it gets imitated and then replicated across your organization. You're right. Cause sometimes people can get so caught up in either the past or the future that they literally forget about the present and what's actually happening around them. And that's why people can sometimes get, um, flustered in their businesses. And sometimes that's why things can get derailed. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think dollar signs often create like, like shiny object syndrome, you know, and then also can just cloud judgment a lot of the time. So I think that, uh, you know, just like a tip, I don't know, not that that you asked, but. Yeah, no, no, I love the the little extra tidbits and and nuggets that you add into this. Yeah. Well, a tip that I would, I, I would totally recommend, um, leaders, especially that are starting to generate, you know, some pretty big numbers is to bring on someone that is, is really strictly focused on like the company culture and leadership and making decisions, not only based off of what's going to be financially, you know, abundant, um, but also like what's, what's good for our people. Because sometimes like, like when COVID happened, (laughs) not that it's done, but when that first happened or like when the market of 2008 of eight crashed, like a lot of leaders had to make some really intense decisions, some really life-changing decisions of like, you know, layoffs essentially. Um, so learning how to make those decisions, it's really, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's very important because you have to do obviously what's right for, for you. Um, because you are a person and you have your own family to take care of. And I get that. Um, and you have to do what's, what's right for your, you know, stakeholders and anybody else that's like financially involved there and the longevity of it, but there's so much to consider. But then at the same time, I don't think that the people that are in your charge should be the last thing on the list that you consider. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I like that a lot. Thank you for sharing yeah. that and, just, and bringing that to, to the surface. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I think it's just so that's I think that's the value that even like a leadership coach brings to the table where they're completely removed from the organization, like like they're they're not financially involved. So the the perspectives that they can bring when talking to someone who is very much so financially involved um, with all of the decisions like, you know, the CEO or whoever CFO. Um, I think that there is a lot of value to that because they can point out where maybe this decision could end up having some long-term repercussions. Yeah. 
and especially when it can have a negative effect that way. I think it's super important just to like pay attention because <laughs> a lot of people don't, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, people first, man. People first, 100%. So like, what are some myths about leadership that you want to debunk? A myth about leadership that I want to debunk. You know what? It'll... <laughs> It's something that I, uh, it's a myth that I, that, yeah, I had to debunk it myself, to be honest. And um, so when I first started coaching, I was just doing leadership development coaching. I wasn't doing executive coaching. Okay. So I was just focusing on leadership and leadership development strategies and company culture and, you know, burnout, just turnover. Like I was, I was very much so just focused on like organizational leadership stuff. And I just completely forgot that there was a person on the other side of that leadership title. Okay. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of people do this too, where they, they like put leaders, especially ones that are, you know, financially successful on this like pedestal, like, and almost, I don't like dehumanize them in a way, you know, that they're just different and they're able to, and they're cold and they're, I don't know, like they're, they're, they're evil, especially the ones that I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa, wait a minute. Like they, they're people too. And then once I really started working with more leaders, including the ones that really did need the help and were, and we're open to getting the help. What I notice across the board, Stephen, is that the majority of the time, the reason, the reason why they're having issues with leadership or company culture, just all that stuff is because nobody taught them nobody taught them either it's almost like it's almost like parenting you know like when we were kind of just thrown into it yeah like if you if you didn't have the best parents modeling or maybe grew up in a really rough just just rough life um and you know didn't have the best models for parents um it's it's very common that you repeat a lot of the same behaviors that you observed growing up when you have your own children, even though in the moment, like you didn't want to do those things. You, you thought you thought you were going to do something. You thought you were going to do something differently, but familiarity is a lot more comfortable for us, you know, to just kind of engage in. So a lot of the times these leaders that are having issues in the organizations are just repeating what it is that they were taught and that they saw and like they need help. You know, they're, they're doing the best that they can in that given the tools that they were given at the same time I do believe that it's their responsibility like each and every one of us to level up to recognize that we need to do better and be better and level up but there was like that that compassion that I had to develop <laughs> for them and I typically yeah. think I'm a very compassionate empathetic person yeah but it's a I, it, I don't even know if it would count necessarily as a myth but I think it's a misconception that they're doing it on purpose that they're choosing to not care about their people or to create suffering for their people on purpose that they only care about money it's it's not often the case yeah not true yeah no i love that you're sharing that because sometimes people get caught up in that misconception of like oh like yeah they just focus about money but like you said it's what they were taught when they were growing up or when they went to business school you know it's just about that and they weren't taught how to take uh people's opinions into consideration you know and like and sometimes like you said like they don't want to get out of their comfort zone which ultimately keeps them in the same place and revolving around the same issues again 
Right. And we'll think about it too. When you get older, as, as you progress in your career and you get older and you build your company and you have more and more and more people under you, it kind of becomes harder to ask for help. You know, like it's like, how do you not know this already? That fixed mindset, that, that, that voice pops up in your head. That voice pops up. Yeah. And it makes you fear like what other people are going to think of you. Exactly. If you go and ask for help now, like, how do you not, again, how do you not already have this figured out? Is that like, is often that it's often what is holding a lot of leaders back from pursuing help and filling in the gaps is because they feel that they're going to be judged for not already having it figured out by now. But it's, that's again, like a limiting belief as well. That's holding them back. Yeah, no, which is, which is what we, we had to work through a bunch of our own when we, when we first started our own businesses, limiting beliefs, constructs, Dude, every countless day. ones, every, every single day. day. <laughs> you know, it, it's almost like the second you get rid of an limiting belief, a new one comes up like <laughs> 20 minutes or an hour later. It's like, shit, totally. I just worked on getting that one. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, you left your friend. Can you, <laughs> can you, can you go get back him? and uh, get me too? <laughs> oh oh yeah. my gosh. That's so so like what? Yeah, like what's one piece of advice that you want to give someone looking to step into their leadership role this year, whether it be getting out of their comfort zone, uh, getting rid of limiting beliefs and constructs? What what would be uh, your your tip? My tip would be find someone that you admire, you know, or someone that you can learn from. I think that learning learning is a leader's number one tool. Okay. This has nothing to do with like having an organization or team members or anything, but I think the personality of a leader ultimately is someone who's just addicted to learning and, and improving and being better. Like part, so something that I do in my coaching program for my mid and top tier, uh, uh, clients for my executive coaching program is that I actually give them a year membership to masterclass. The, have you ever heard of that before? Masterclass? No, it's, um, so it's a platform, a learning platform, and it has all these sick teachers. Really? Um, they're not just, te- they're like celebrities. Like you can learn, like, I don't know, you could learn, um, I'm trying to think of something. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about now. I think I've seen ads for it on Instagram, masterclasses. Yes. Oh, it's so cool, dude. You could learn like how to be a band by Metallica, or you could learn how to like electric guitar by like Tom Morello from, from Rage Against the Machine. You could learn negotiation from Chris Voss, who has also an amazing book on negotiation, but he also has a sick masterclass. You can learn persuasion um, and sales with Daniel Pink. You can learn, you can learn there's, there's like, there's presidents on there teaching you stuff. There's Anna Wintour. I think she's teaching teaches leadership um what's his name um from disney bob Iger, i think teaches leadership as well he has a leadership course on there um there's a couple of other people that are that i'm that i'm forgetting but there are so many there's like you can learn about music you can learn about cooking from like all these big names you know and it's very well produced and there's workbooks if you want to do it that way or you could just it's one of those things that you switch out in my opinion this is what i did i switched out losing who knows how many hours watching tv for masterclass and i just watch masterclass that's i you know that's something i've been doing recently too like switching out like netflix for reading a book or something like that or just watching youtube video on how to edit a podcast or create a a a video better you know because i like flying Mm -hmm. drones and and taking videos and photos with my camera so it's like just learning new 
camera techniques and stuff like that. I'm sure they have a whole bunch of master classes on that too. Dude. Oh yeah. If you ever want, you can borrow my membership. It's, it's so yeah. worth Thank it. You. Yeah. It is so Thank cool. You. Yeah. Honestly. Um, and you're right. Like just making those little switches, like, like those little tiny switches. And I don't know, I know this might be like totally off topic and you can cut this out. No, but it's fine. I love it. <laughs> do you, do you recognize that making those switches, like when you do that, you're just like, this is what my best self would do. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause think about it this way. Like, you know, when I sit there and watch Netflix, you know, like granted, like I will watch Netflix maybe an hour or two per week because that's just a way to like do something that's not work, you know, cause sometimes like, you know, you can't always be in that go, go, go mode. Sometimes it's good to just sit back and absorb a little, a little bit, you know, and just, just be in and let your body like de-stress. So I think that's a big part of it. I think I got off a little off track from what your question was, but like, yeah, no, I think it's important to um, just acknowledge that, right? Yeah, well, just acknowledging like when you do think when you're doing something differently than you would have done a year ago, like, for example, you know, two years ago, like I probably would have been just I don't know, I was going to work being miserable and then I was coming home and it was the same thing. I was like vegging out on the couch, watching whatever. Like you're just like wasting this time. <laughs> you're just wasting this time. You're just, you're just, you're vegging out and you're trying to disconnect from the life that you have essentially. I mean, that's, that's what I was doing. I don't want to speak for everybody. Um, and then you're, you're eating dinner, you know, probably out of making, boredom. Out of boredom. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're making, you're t- eating, you're probably overeating to just like have some sense of fulfillment you know it was awful i was i was living a rough life honestly it didn't seem rough on the on the surface but fulfillment wise it was just lacking big time um and now i just i don't know like i'm so i know like the whole like hustle culture like it's not good and it's people tend to have you know mixed mixed opinions about it yes Um, they definitely do (laughs) especially people we work with too yeah (laughs) i get that they really do you know and and maybe i'll have a different opinion about it once i reach a new stage of my thinking but like for me i like i love what i do i genuinely love what i do i love learning about what i do i love doing it i love watching myself do it and seeing where i could get better i love figuring out how i could be just just level myself up as a person because I know that it's all just intertwined and it's going to make me ultimately better at creating the impact that I'm after. And like, like I was explaining, like yesterday when I'm just sitting there tracking my questions to my statements, I'm like, I would have never done something like that before, but like here I am and no one's making me do it. Like I'm choosing to do this. And it just, it's those little moments of reflection. I think that you get to just remember who you were and see who you are now because you just feel, I don't know, it makes you feel good versus always it comparing does. to the person that you want to be in a, you know, however, however long into the future, you know, like continuing to chase that. Like I totally get that, but I think it's also important to reflect on how far we've come and like give yourself some credit. <laughs> oh no, we definitely have to give ourselves some credit because sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit sometimes. And granted, some people give their, themselves more credit than, than other people. But like at the same time, you like, you know, like you said, you have that version that you want to be in 10 years. that's making $10 million a year or whatever it is in a business, you know, and then you have the past version that would literally just sit there and watch Netflix for 10 hours a day and then where you are now. So it's like, it's like a whole little 
dance, you know, and progression. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You just, and then tracking that and reflecting on that and seeing how far you've come, you know, and it's interesting because like when you're sitting on the couch, vegging out to Netflix, like back then, it's, and then you're still complaining that you're not making the money that you want to be making. Yes. I think about yeah. that all the time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so frustrated with like my finance, my finances and like my abilities, you know, and capabilities to make more. I was so frustrated, Stephen, when I couldn't find a job to like move into after graduating with my master's. But then I like, I, I think about all that I'm doing now and I'm like, I wasn't doing crap back then. Yes, I wasn't doing no. anything other than just, you know, playing victim to myself and just like, Oh gosh, no one's going to call me back. Like I, like now it's, it's just action after action, after action, after action, you know? Um, even if it's failure, it doesn't matter. Like you just are still doing it. You you still have to do something and go after something. And it just, it's again, in the moment you don't think about it. It's just after you do the work and you're able to reflect as to how far you've come, you can really recognize just all the work that you've done and how it's paid off. Yeah, no, you, I think it's also fun too. You get that like fuzzy warm feeling when you, when you think about how far you've come and then like you give yourself a little pat on the back almost, you know, and just like, (laughs) and you just keep on going too. And like, sometimes like, you know, like you think about, I saw, I can't remember, it was maybe a meme or something, some type of photo on, on Instagram. It was like, you know, so like people who, who, um, like want to leave their job, like they're nine to five working 40 hours and then they end up working 90. But at the same time, it's like, that's what we experience. But at the same time, we actually love what we love, what we do. So it doesn't feel like we're working. Dude, totally, totally. Dude, Steven, I'd rather work 90 hours a week for myself than work 40 hours a week for somebody else ever again. Oh, yeah. Ever 100%. again, y'all. Whoever's listening and is thinking about doing this and just just going into your your own, your own, just building your own company and starting your own business and, and, and you're scared of the amount of work, it's so different. Work, the pouring, I'm totally comfortable pouring 100% of myself into the work that I'm doing for myself. Yeah. Then I'm no. Then if it was for somebody else, yeah, no, because you know, think about it this way: you're benef- you're gonna, you're purely benefiting off this. You're not, you're, and you're building towards your own g- dream. You're not building towards someone else's, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And then also just my own, it's my own mission. It's my own vision. It's like you're, you're literally pouring yourself into like the impact that you feel wholeheartedly. You can absolutely create if you just, if you just do it, if you just go at this a hundred percent and you stay consistent, you know that you can create this impact right? So it's just so much easier to get up every single day and pour yourself into it. Even I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's not hard, but I'm not saying it's not tired. We're not saying, we're not saying this is easy, but not, not saying it's for sure. I would not say it's easy, but to that, to that sense, but it's easier to do it when you're personally connected 
so much so to to the mission um than if it was like somebody just you're working for somebody else but then again this kind of ties back into what we talked about of why it's important to really have a strong mission and lead with mission and lead with your why because people want to feel connected to the work that they're doing they want to feel aligned that their purpose each and every person's individual purpose we each have one some of some of it just some of the times we just need to discover it but when you can align each person's purpose to the to the the mission of the company and remind them constantly of why they're doing the work that they're doing and what their efforts are equating to and don't celebrate numbers at the end of the year celebrate the impact that your company made on a person's life you know in my industry like I would have loved it if we would have gotten emails about how client x learned his first word today versus like hey we increase our profits by you know this percentage you know like uh, it, it just makes it more meaningful. A lot it makes more it meaningful. way more meaningful. It's again, it's why we're doing the things that we're doing. It's why a lot of practitioners that are in the ABA field have been able to stay in the ABA field is because the work that we do, we see it in front of us. You know, the kids learn how to talk or the kids learn how to manage their behaviors and they don't engage in the challenging behaviors that often are very like physically damaging to them or their families or the environment. You know, you, you see that the families are so grateful for the changes, the fact that they can finally go out to eat at a restaurant, you know, all of these things like happen every single, every single day in the ABA industry but the leaders often don't really highlight and talk about these things constantly as they easily could to just remind their team why is it that we do the things that we do yeah and it all and all circles back to the why and just mindset and how everything's uh taken care of and it's just amazing to think about how we're going to be changing so many people's lives for sure for sure so, Martha, I wanted to thank you for coming on to the podcast today. We dove into so many amazing topics. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for having me because this is this is just a great conversation. I'm glad that we were able to chat and just I'm glad that we were able to get off topic, too. Yes. <laughs> and just no, dive right. into some other stuff. Yeah, no, being able to dive into some other topics and then just come back and tie it all together into this nice little package that people can listen to whenever they want is great. Love it. Love it. Well, Anytime, anytime you want yes. to have me back, I'm happy to happy yeah, to no, I was just, I was just gonna combo. say we're gonna yeah, I was just gonna say we're gonna have to have you come back onto the podcast again in the future. Love it. I'd love it. Yeah, and we're gonna have to get your own podcast started also. <laughs> You're gonna help me out with that, right? Yes, hundred percent. All right, I'm gonna hold you to it. Hi everyone, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Commercial Free Podcast. If you loved this episode, please share it on your Instagram stories with the one takeaway you had and tag me in it at steven.brennan, that is S-T-E-V-E-N dot Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N. And I look forward to spending time with you in the next podcast. And also don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss another episode.